Welcome to That Was Awkward. I'm your host, Casey. I'm here to tell you about my awkward dating experiences, the relationships that didn't last, and the lessons I've drawn from all of it. Hopefully you can learn some lessons from this yourself. I'm going to start this off with a little story. This was about 10 years ago. I was in Peace Corps serving in Kazakhstan. I was 22 going on 23 years old, and I had never had a boyfriend. I had been on maybe one date in my entire life. I had one sloppy, disgusting, drunken kiss when I was 18 years old, and and I was very naive. So here I am, 23, um, and I met this guy. We'll call him Joe. Now, Joe wasn't a great guy, but he showed interest in me. Our first encounter, I drunkenly made out with him. Um, The next time I saw him, again, I was drunk. And the next thing I remember, really, (laughs) is uh, waking up with only my socks on. Now, from the night before, I remember hanging out, drinking with all of our friends, and there's Joe, and we're flirting, and it's fun, and it's fine, and it's cool to get male attention, because that's just really all I cared about. I do remember in the middle of everything, being on the bed, I'm pretty sure I had either gone to sleep or, or something. Regardless, I'm not accusing this man of rape. Um, what I am saying is that The lines were blurred, and I remember consenting to what I did not realize was sex. So fast forward to that morning, I wake up feeling a lot of uh, emotions and physical feelings I had never actually felt before. Mind you, I was a virgin until the night before. Um, 23 years old, I had been raised in a Christian family. I was struggling with my religion at that time. And so up until that point, I was kind of holding on to my virginity, and it was something special to me. And then I woke up, and it was gone. It wasn't gone because this man stole it from me. It was gone because I didn't love myself enough. I didn't love myself enough. That's, that's the bottom line. Because I had held on to this thing in my life, and I held, I held it in such high regard for so long, um when I lost it, I needed that man to be special. Like, it didn't matter if he treated me horribly. I needed him to be something significant. And so I held on to him. Granted, we were in two different, we were in separate um, places in Peace Corps. I was in a smaller village. He was in a town, like, six hours away from me. And so we continued to uh, communicate. Oh, I can't even remember now. I think it was maybe for the next three three or four months, it was what I considered a long-distance relationship. He did not view it as a relationship. At least I never got clarification on that. Until I got clarification on that. Fast forward to the summer months. This, This whole thing with me sleeping with him happened in springtime. Fast forward to the summer. I had just gone, um, on vacation to America to visit my family sorry, to the United States, to visit my family. And I came back. I brought him fucking gifts. I brought him Doritos. And 
on the way back, <laughs> on the way back, I got the worst case of pink eye from the flight. Side note, don't ever sleep on pillows that the flight attendants give you. Don't ever do it. So, I land in Almaty. Another side note, I was in Kazakhstan. I land in Almaty, and luckily I had a, a checkup with our doctor as soon as I landed. So I go there, he's chit-chatting, he's wanting to get to know me because he's a new doctor, and I'm sitting there, and this fucking pink eye is spreading from my right eye to my left eye. I could barely open my right eye, and I'm just in, like, excruciating discomfort, and I'm like, can you please just give me some fucking eye drops? So finally he does. Anyways, I was supposed to leave to go to Joe's um, summer camp right after that, the next day. And the doctor's like, no, you, you're going to be quarantined. I know what it's like to be quarantined before we all had to be quarantined. So that was fun. Um, so my friends, uh, four of them, traveled down to where he was to help him with his camp. And I agreed to meet them whenever the doctor gave me the green light to go. And I look like a fucking monster. I'm not even kidding. By the time I got to go to that camp, first of all, I couldn't wear any makeup. Second of all, my right eye was swollen to the point that I basically lost muscle control of it because the infection was so bad. Come to find out, it was both bacterial and viral. It's fucking disgusting, but it happened. I get down there, and I am expecting this warm embrace from Joe. I was thinking we were going to be able to stay at his house and have some alone time. This is just me being completely naive and romanticizing all of these things because not ever once did this guy show me any sense of romance. So I don't know why, where those expectations came from. I think it came from a lot of Disney movies. But this is reality. I land. He comes to pick me up. He won't even touch me. <laughs> I mean, I can't really blame him because who wants the kind of pink eye I had? But still, he was a dick about it. And he rushes me into his, um, his counterpart's car, who I had never met before. And he sends me on my way for a, an hour, maybe three hours. I can't remember. Time didn't exist in Kazakhstan. A long-ass drive with his counterpart. Joe ba barely spoke to me. He just sent me on my way and said he'd be meeting me up at the camp in three days. <clears throat> now, in my mind, he's my boyfriend. Like, we have this romance, this amazing romance that took place in Kazakhstan, of all places, and it's going to carry on forever because he is the person I lost my virginity to. Um, and that is not what happened. So I get to camp. My friends are stoked to see me. We spend the night drinking, having fun. I get to know the kids at this camp. Like, we're, it's a blast. And my friend Abby takes me aside later that night when we're all drinking. And she says, Joe is such a piece of shit. And I'm like, completely caught off guard. I'm like, what, what do you mean? And she proceeds to tell me that he drunkenly told her, confessed to her, that he had a girlfriend. He had a girlfriend in Kazakhstan. Um, and he said, quote unquote, there were girls before Casey and there will be girls after Casey and proceeded to try and like hook up with my friends. I don't know. I was not there. This is all hearsay. I obviously was crushed and for some reason I was surprised. Abby, after she tells me this, says, you cannot tell him. So I have to pretend like I didn't know this. 
and Joe comes up. I pretend as best as I can until I get alcohol in my system. Mind you, alcohol, I'm going to point this out now, is a theme that runs through the stories I'm going to tell, and I'm aware of this. He comes up, and finally, I confront him. (laughs) And once again, I was too drunk to remember exactly what I said, but I remember being proud of myself. And I know Abby was in an outhouse overhearing everything, and she was proud of me too. But then I woke up in his bed again. He claimed that I followed him down there, but my friend said that he led me down there. Uh, granted, I don't think this time we had sex. I, I I know we didn't have sex. I think that we may have just, like, made out or whatever, what have you. Um, so after this whole situation, he proceeds to treat me like a dog. If I stand up to go somewhere, he, he says, Casey, sit. If I say something, he says, shut up, no one wants to hear what you're saying. I remember the morning after I found out that he had a girlfriend, texting my mom and just saying how hurt I was, and she didn't know the situation. I think my sisters probably told her that I slept with him because that's how information spreads in my family. Um, and I remember her saying, well, did you, do you love him? And <laughs> immediately I was just like, In my head, I can't remember what I responded to her, but I was just like, A, that's a very naive response. Just because I slept with someone doesn't mean I love them. And B, I don't even think I like this guy. I don't think I ever liked this guy. I think he was always an asshole. And I would cringe when he would talk. I would cringe when he would um, talk about his body image issues and me having to tell him, no, you're not fat. And he wasn't fat. He was very fit and he was psychotic about going to the gym, which is next to impossible to do when you were living in fucking Kazakhstan. Um, but he did it. I realized I just liked having a guy like me. And that was such a foreign thought. That was such a foreign occurrence to me living in a foreign country that's when I realized that I was actually attractive to men. While I'm struggling with pink eye, while I'm being rejected by this guy, I'm also on a terrible month-long period because I went on birth control for him, and it fucked up my hormones royally. In Kazakhstan, it is extremely hard to come by tampons, and I didn't have anything on me. I didn't have any pads. I didn't have any tampons. So I kept having to go to Joe to ask him, to ask his counterpart, to go buy me tampons, which was humiliating. And he would come back with a teeny tiny box of eight tampons that have no applicators. I get back, and for some reason, I still think, you know, I want to be friends with him. And so I'm still thinking, like, you know, he's going back to America. He's finishing up his Peace Corps service. I could, I could continue communicating with him, and I almost gave him my American cell phone number. Luckily, I didn't, because I don't think I had the courage to or, or something. I'd been rejected by this guy enough. And I remember driving away from him, and I was overcome with this sense of absolute just anger and rage, and it wasn't directed towards him. In fact, I wasn't even mad at him by that point. I was so mad at myself. I was mad at myself for even thinking about wanting to continue this relationship with him. I was mad at myself for allowing myself to be treated like that by some asshole who wasn't worth my time. And I never once stood up for myself. And that was the first time that I understood 
how dangerous it can be when you don't love yourself. At the end of the day, you have to be your your personal advocate. This, I don't know what you'd call it, a four or five month relationship? Relationship? I don't know. That was one of the harshest mirrors I've had ever had to look into because I realized just how much I hated myself and how little I respected myself because I held on to this thing. I held on to my virginity for so long and I gave it up to the first guy who was willing to take it. And I'm sure there were guys willing to take it before. I just didn't have my eyes open to it. And even in that situation, my eyes weren't open to it. I closed them tightly and I just let it go. The reason I'm doing this podcast is because over the past 10 years, I've done a lot of soul searching. I've done a lot of dating after Joe, um, especially in the last three years. And it's caused me to really think about how I value myself. And it's information that I've gained that I think other people, not just women, I think other people need to understand the value in valuing yourself. So just a little backtrack. Um, I grew up in Southern California. I'm the youngest of three sisters. And um, one of those sisters is a model. I always had this very impossible standard of beauty to live up to. Throughout my entire life, I always took myself out of the game. I never, and I I said this in the beginning, I never dated. I was so self-critical. I mean, um, I would always put me and my sisters into these different boxes. I remember Lindsay was the dancer because she was, like, tall and beautiful. Christina was the cheerleader because she was, like, petite and also beautiful and, like, peppy. And me, um, I remember in middle school being like, well, I can be the mascot (laughs) because I could wear that costume. And I could just be, like, the one that people laugh at and that make pe- makes people smile. I've always been, like, the funny one and, like, the fun one. And that's cool. I like being that. I like um, being considered the happy one. But it's not a good thing to put yourself into these boxes. Um, the level of beauty that I was being held up to, I-, I could never achieve it because I would never be thin enough. I've always struggled with my weight. <laughs> I remember my mom telling me, I was complaining to her about not having a boyfriend, and she's like, well, I think you'll probably just have to wait until guys value your personality. I just remember being so unhappy with how I looked and placing so much weight into that. I mean, I look back at pictures of myself from high school and in college, and I'm just like, what the fuck was wrong with me? Like, I looked fine. I looked beautiful. You know, the situation with Joe, it was horrible. But, like I said before, it was the mirror that I needed. Going away to Kazakhstan in the Peace Corps, while there was a lot of bad things that happened there, um, there was a lot of good things that happened. And I think one of the best things that ever happened in my whole life was that I got this brain detox from the societal pressures we have out here. I didn't realize how in every corner of my life I had these standards to live up to from magazines from commercials shows all pop culture but then also in my own household getting away from all of that visually for like a year and a half 
was the best thing in the world for me because when I came back, my eyes were open. Like, I realized how fucked up all that stupid shit is and it doesn't matter. All of that stuff fades anyways. And we're just like poisoning ourselves. We're poisoning our minds. We're poisoning our bodies to fit into this impossible standard of beauty that is meaningless. And so that is something that I've had to work on for years is remembering that because it's so easy to fall back into the thought process of I have to be perfect. I have to be thin. I can't have wrinkles. I can't basically age like a normal human fucking being. My experience with Joe was the first step that I took in actually understanding how I am as a person who dates, how I am in a romantic sense, and how far I needed to go. And that experience really traumatized me for a long time. I was so afraid if I let him treat me like that, what am I going to open the door to next? And so I hit the stop button on my dating life until I knew I could trust myself to let someone back in to treat me right. And I mean, it's been a rocky road, that's for sure. Um, But you know, I've grown. And if there's one thing I know for certain now, I know that if something is not right, I can with 100% certainty trust myself myself to end it. I'm not afraid to be alone. And that's the biggest takeaway I think everyone should have is that it's okay to be alone because you don't have to be lonely. It's so much better than being in a shitty relationship because you don't even know the damage a person is doing with their words until you're out of it and you can reflect on it. And that's scary. You don't know what's happening. So with that, I'm going to sign off. Thank you for listening. And um, I will continue to share my awkward dating stories and the lessons that I've pulled from those.